It's episode 130 of Leading Ladies in Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a backyard in the historic Morningside neighborhood across from Madeline Fontenot, Education Coordinator at the USS Lexington. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. This is such an honor. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm so thrilled. I've been following you on Instagram forever. I just love everything you have to say. I love everything that you post. I just think you're so influential in the best way. And not to mention the fact that you work in a badass museum and have a history of working in museums here locally. I just couldn't wait to talk to you. So thank you so much. And we're going to take a shot. (laughs) I haven't done this in person. Oh, my goodness. uh, It's been a while. So I'm really excited for this. Cheers. Cheers. You did that very well. Thank you. Not bad. It was nice and cold, which helps it go down. Yes, I made sure to keep it in the freezer until I was on my way out. Also, she has uh, provided margaritas, so I'm very excited for that as well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this uh, backyard, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm obsessed with it. Like this whole little neighborhood, whenever I was looking for houses initially, I always wanted to start off here, but we just didn't find one that fit, right. which is why we ended up in the Crestmont neighborhood, which I love, right. but like I love this house and this neighborhood. I had been trolling Zillow, <laughs> I think for years, honestly, because we had been apartment living the whole time before this, and I've always loved where I lived. It's been off of Ocean Drive mainly in apartments, mm-hmm. so still pretty accessible to areas of town that I like to go to, that yes. I can bike to, but I was just obsessed with the idea of getting one of these houses because I love Santa Fe. I like Mm -hmm. how cute all of these neighborhoods are. And so I just checked Zillow on a monthly, weekly, sometimes daily basis because Corpus, it's hard to find a good house to rent sometimes within a price range. And so when this one became available, we actually um, ended up not breaking our lease, but like working with the apartment complex and paid like an extra month there because I was so willing to do whatever we needed to do to get into this house. And so we've been here two, we'll have been here two years this September and I love it. You're a badass, like that's cool. Like I think, yeah, if you just stick with it, like the persistence, you're gonna get what you want. Cause like I said, I still, See, I will mom, move to this side of town. does pay off, <laughs> just kidding. She would support me in that. Thanks mom. <laughs> Thanks mom. Are you from Corpus? Um, I say that I am. So I was actually born in Oklahoma City. Um, wow. My dad was in the Air Force, so he was stationed there, and that's when he met my mom, and she lived in Oklahoma City with her family. So I was born there. We lived there for about two years before moving to Corpus, and I've been here ever since, except for going away back to Oklahoma mm-hmm. for college. I saw that. Yes. So I very much still consider myself for a sure. Corpus Christian because I grew up here and all of my most of my major life events and happenings are around Corpus so yes kind of yes no you're totally from Corpus okay. yeah just because you're verified born to, you yes. heard it here first yep. folks I am from Corpus she's from Corpus <laughs> for sure not to mention all the local love which we're going to get into yes. soon but you went to school for anthropology yes tell me about that because I feel like it's such a uh interesting field and I feel like not a lot of people know what it is. They do not. So when I tell them, <laughs> Straight you know, I, oh, I majored in anthropology and I minored in women's and gender studies. Did, I didn't know I that. I did. Well, so, okay. So I would say wow. like 1% of the people that I tell that to have the reaction you did, which is like, wow, that's exciting. That and is 99% exciting. of people, it's like a glazed look on their face because they don't understand what any of the words I just said to them are. Mm-hmm. And they they're just like, why? So um, <laughs> I I think my love of anthropology started, as most people's did, a long time ago with just loving mummies and like culture and languages and ancient Egypt and things like this. Oh, and we that's kind so of, cool. we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'll mention it again. Yes, so, I will <laughs> say that Madeline and I really had like uh we couldn't stop talking to each other, so I had to say, wait, wait till I start the podcast. Yes. Um, the movie The Mummy from the 90s, which must have come out when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And I tell you what, I saw that movie and that was that was it for me. I couldn't decide <laughs> I if I'd that. rather like be in it as a character or a new character or just like live my life like that. But I guess whereas most people grow up and kind of like decide different career paths that are perhaps more like logical or business related. I said, nope, 
<laughs> what I, you're doing what you're passionate right? about and yes but I did not have the word like anthropology it wasn't an accessible word to me so I didn't know that that was a thing that you could like study major in so mm-hmm. I actually entered the University of Oklahoma as a journalism major Really? Because I love... I think you would have been good at that. I think so, too, because I love to read. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you noticed, there's like 100,000 bookshelves in yes. this house, and they're all full of books. Which Some I always them, feel comfortable in a home with books. Yes. John Waters has a, a quote that I like that's not... It's kind of not... I don't even know if it's a PG-13 quote, but it's an R-rated. That's okay. I can Share. So he's like, if you go home to somebody's house and they don't have any books, don't fuck them. <laughs> I would agree, and, actually. Well, it would throw me off. Right? So whenever yeah. I look at people's apartment tours, like on TikTok or Instagram or anything, and they don't have any books, I'm always like, mm-hmm. what? What? what is that? But mm-hmm. So yes, I loved reading and writing, and um, I decided that, oh my goodness, maybe I'll go be a journalist because the University of Oklahoma had an excellent journalism school. And see, I don't know anything about the University of Oklahoma. It's very far away. So the reason I picked it was my mom had gone to college there um, because she grew up in Oklahoma and I had visited the campus when we would go visit my grandparents in Oklahoma and I just thought it was beautiful and I'm the oldest of four and I really yes so wow yes and I was excited about the opportunity to kind of um, go away to school and kind of be my own person. I, I love my family. I am extremely close to them. I still am. I that love makes all me of my so siblings. happy. I love my family too. Yes, they're built-in best friends that we've all had for our entire lives. And every single moment of my life is made better by having them there. But still, as the oldest daughter, I really wanted an opportunity to go be somewhere where I it was just me. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody who knew my mom or any of my siblings like I, I really that. just wanted to go be my own person without uh so much pressure that comes I guess from being an oldest child and living in a city that's not too big so everybody kind of knows yep. like at least one member of your family and yes. you see people all the time at HEB but <laughs> so that's how I picked the University of Oklahoma it was actually the only school I applied to even though I had um I guess kind of a passing interest in other schools. I just really wanted to go there. So mm-hmm. I entered the College of Journalism and Womp Womp did not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> not what you thought. Did not enjoy journalism very much. But while I was there, I started taking classes um, in anthropology because they fulfilled other credits that I needed. And I loved it. I loved it. Wow. I so was, just kind of like on accident. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is like exactly what I... Like it's the marriage of all of my interests of aforementioned Egypt or mummies yes. or languages. All like the ancient civilization right. kind of stuff. So at the college I went to, in order to graduate from the college with a degree in anthropology, you had to take at least one upper level and one lower level course in what they have deemed the four subfields of anthropology, which are um, forensic or biological anthropology. Wow. Um, That's uh, like getting in there. Right. Linguistics, um, arts, like the kind of general overview of it. So I had to take like a wide variety of classes on lots of different topics and I just loved them so much. I thought it was you're making me want to go back to school. I Seriously. Know. Well, I wish so A&M doesn't offer any kind of like grad level mm-hmm. programs in anthropology. They do offer some undergrad classes in it. And I convinced two of my siblings that went through A&M to take them and helped them with their, <laughs> <laughs> their like lower level coursework and stuff. But I, I, I would love to. I like to learn and I like to talk about things that I like with other people. So yes. that's the part of school that I miss. And I still get those nightmares mm-hmm. about like missing classes and things like that and tests Same. and not go like, oh, I didn't show up this whole semester yes. and it's time for the final. Yes. And, oh my goodness. What's happening? I have that exact same and nightmare. it's been a long time since I was, I, Same. this May is 10 years since I graduated from college. I'm, that's me. Yeah. I've been out of school for 10 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm 32. Yeah. Well, I'm actually 35. Okay. So it's probably been a little bit longer. Yeah. I think, I think I stopped at 10 counting. No, it's been 10 years. Yeah. Wow. It's a long time ago. I, know. I had like, still I, had, I was like talking to one of my coworkers who's like seven or so years younger me, than me the other day. And I was like, when did I graduate from college? And I had this moment of just like panic when I realized it was going to be 10 years this May. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm, oh no. <laughs> but yes, I would also love to go back to school, but it's just not, it would be, I would, I guess I would have to do 
like online if I wanted to stay in Corpus and right. that's just not as appealing to me. I like the face to face instruction and, and back and forth. But yes, so I was a, there I am this journalism major not really enjoying journalism but loving the anthropology classes that I'm taking and so at the end of my sophomore year my mom said to me she came up to visit me and I was just I think I was being really cranky I was just not having a good time with her and she was like something is going on I was like mom (laughs) I'm just I don't know what I'm doing Mm I I I'm not having a good time and it was like I guess like a medium level existential crisis as much as you can have when you're like 19 or 20 because guess what life's not that hard yet but you think it's really hard. You really do. I'm identifying with the story so much because I would have like breakdowns. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was like I don't know like you know I'm supposed to graduate in like two years and I just really don't I I, I can't when I'm asked to picture like what are the next steps I just really I can't I can't do that and so she was like well do you, you know very supportive excellent mom she's like okay so do you need to take a break from school mm-hmm. do you need to like explore other avenues and I was like no I, I I like school because I like these parts of it and she was like okay so like what I'm hearing is that you maybe just don't like your major and I was like oh and she's like you know you can change your major <laughs> I was like oh Mom you know, simplifying but, but, things. But I That's already perfect. put like two years and she says, who, you know, who cares? I get that. Just I get that. do, you know, do what you want to do. And so at the end of my uh, sophomore year, I formally, formally withdrew from the College of Journalism and entered to be an anthropology major. And I still managed to graduate in four years. Wow. I had to um, get special permission from the dean to take a, a higher number of classes my last semester wow because they only like allowed you to take a certain number of hours and I was like I can do it mm-hmm. and I was working part-time at the bookstore on campus because I had you know broke college student I had to eat I guess like one meal a day so I <laughs> needed some money to support myself you did it girl. and I did, did it I thing. was so tired by the end of it but I graduate and not that graduating on time is any big yeah. accomplishment but I I think well, I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna prove this like I'm gonna yeah. I'm still gonna get it so yes, I graduated with my degree in anthropology and my almost a double major. I was one internship shy of it being a double major, but I was too poor to do internships because I had to work. Yes. <laughs> so I just got Isn't a minor. Wild? Like, come yeah. on, y'all. Totally kind of a barrier there. Yes. For, I mean, like, obviously all upper level education and colleges and stuff, there's many barriers. So I was very privilege to be able to have the family to support me to go to college and get to choose different things but yes I could not just have an internship I a girl needed to work and eat the one meal a day that I was but I I appreciate that you know because I'm hoping that you know higher education is is hearing stories like this and realizing like you know is this really feasible for most people because we could have some really amazing talented you know individuals in the field But they they couldn't because they had you know what I'm saying yeah I just hope and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like barriers to like applying for scholarships and filling out financial aid applications and you know just all kinds of things that if you are not in that position or don't have parents that like talk about how privileged you are to be in that position you're just Mm -hmm. not aware of them until you know somebody else points it out to you and once again shout out to my parents for being excellent and not only teaching me things but also being so compassionate and having such huge hearts that I have never like a day has not gone by that I didn't realize how lucky I was to have what I had so that's amazing to hear I I love hearing stories like that um you know about people who just really appreciate you know where they came from um and their relationships with their families are so strong that that thrills me because I I come from a similar situation you know and definitely am privileged to have experienced some of the things that Mm -hmm. I've experienced with really supportive open-minded parents yes I think that's amazing and I feel like you are just living up to you know everything that they instilled in you I hope so that's a big motivator for 
a lot of how I live my life because, you know. I can tell. When you have such good parents, it's, you know, it's like that thing where they're like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that's worse. It is worse. I I don't, you know, I don't (laughs) want to disappoint my parents. And not that I don't think that they wouldn't love me or support me anyway, but like, you know, when you've had such such excellent people in your life. And I, you know, I say my parents, but I'm also talking about just like my siblings, my aunts and uncles, but also extended people in your circle like Mm -hmm. you know I've just been I've been very lucky with the people that have been placed in my life like all along the way to to help me get to where I am and I don't take that for granted and so a lot of how I live my life or I hope to you know Mm -hmm. I'm a human being I make terrible mistakes and I'm grouchy and mean and judgmental sometimes but I think at my best what is the motivating factor behind it is just how like what has been shown to me and how can I Yes. What can I do with that? That so. is beautifully said. Thank oh my you. god. Yeah, that that was very beautiful. And I and I, I totally identify with that. So thank you for saying yes. it. So when you graduated, mm-hmm. did you immediately move back to Corpus? Did you know I'm ready to move back or did you love Corpus as much then um, or were you not sure? Um I think I just so um I was lucky to be in college when the 2008 uh like financial crisis happened. <laughs> I was like, wow. I love this for me and all of my fellow, um, you know, people my age and just everybody looking for a job. So the pressure was on to try to find <clears throat> like long term employment. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> did I you think you were going to stay in Oklahoma at all? Um, I, you know, I didn't really, I try to like think about what like my mindset was back then. Like, what was I thinking? And I don't think I was thinking very much. Um, I was in a relationship, like a long-term relationship at the time. And so both of us were just kind of like out of college, bumming around, not really like with career type jobs. And so, and Oklahoma, although it is still like not as brutal as like the Midwest winters, it gets really cold yeah. there in the winter. And I've there's heard. also hella tornadoes. And that, <laughs> I mean, we had to get a tornado like maybe twice a decade. Right. Like, and, and tornadoes I, are another beast. I love Oklahoma. And I think that there's like a lot of uh, great like stuff happening there like I think people dismiss it as being you know they're like yeah, I saw Twister one time and I'm like okay well <laughs> I've seen R.I.P. Twister like Bill 200 times <laughs> we should have taken a shot oh uh, you're right um but you know there's cool stuff happening there but I just was bummed out by the the I, the winter and mm-hmm. the tornadoes mm-hmm. and you know whatever else and every time I visited Corpus I was reminded, oh, I really need sunshine to thrive. And I need it like Same. 365 days a year. And I missed my family. Yeah. Like I really did. And so I would come home and I would just keep making excuses to stay longer and longer. Like when I would make trips down here, I'd be like, oh, God, I missed you, AGB. Oh, I love the beach. I love stripes and Whataburger and just whatever yeah. else was going on. So eventually I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's pack it up. Nothing's going on here in Oklahoma. Like, <laughs> let's just move to Corpus. And so came back to Corpus and um, got a job in retail. That's my cat. Mole. I know. I have, okay. I have to get his attention. Yes, Don't mind me. He's a little bit um, people shy. He is a rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Mulder, named after Fox Mulder <gasps> yes. X-Files, which yes. is um, quite possibly my favorite television show of all time. That's times. what I'm watching next. Because oh. I, I, I've watched it, but I haven't finished it. Okay. That's what I'm watching next. The, the, so they've like brought it back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I, I recommend watching the like revamp whatever for you know, the sake of Mulder and Scully, but like I'm an original X-Files. Yes. No, I'm talking like season one, episode one, watching it. That's what I'm doing. And then you can be like me watching certain episodes, like through like covering your face because they're, Fine. Well, there was one that I remember watching because we I would watch it when it came on because I think I'm five years older than you. Um, there was one where the, literally the opening scene is this man spontaneously combusting. <laughs> it terrified right. me. I was so, like haunted. I there's early on. I think it's season one, maybe season two. I think it's season one. Early on, the I think his name is Eugene Toomes, and he's got like yellow eyes. Yes, and he can make his body all yes slippery. And, yeah, and I as an adult am so afraid of him. I have to watch that episode with somebody <laughs> else. Like I am just not. 
I cannot. That is too much for me. So yes, they knew how to do the thing. They did, and oh my god, I love. I have an I have an X Files tattoo on my thigh. That's awesome. Yes, that uh, is so it's good. A, it's a it's a spaceship, a flying saucer over some prickly pear cactus because I had to give some South Texas like love of course. to it, and uh, yeah, it says I want to believe. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a very nerdy tattoo. That's but so good. Yes. Yeah, so this is Mulder, named after Fox Mulder, and yes, we are looking for a scully <laughs> really i would love a scully to hey, go with the molder does, does she need to be a redhead i would prefer that but so. i'm also like open-minded to just you know rescue if you kittens. feel the vibe like i, this I feel like it would just yeah it would naturally fit but we'll see but um yes so i'm i think i was talking about moving back yes down to, you yeah, were the molder interrupted <laughs> no you're good um so i moved back down to corpus and i got a retail position at the gap does that have anything to do with what i was in school for absolutely not but did it pay me it did mm -hmm. and actually you know no shade they were pretty decent with at the time for yeah. like wages and pto and benefits so all of a mm -hmm. sudden i had a full-time job with health insurance and four weeks of pto and we got raises every year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, increment, like, you hey, know, like, congratulations, still. here's five cents more per hour. And I'm mm -hmm. like, sounds great. Yeah, for sure. It's something. <laughs> and I, um, there were parts of the job that I loved. Like, I got to meet a lot of cool people that I'm still friends with that we, like, we work together. I also began my, like, foray into fashion, I would say, at, was that moment. Um, at the Gap? I think so. Well, wow. Okay. No, I love the gap. Yeah. Well, I think it was just that I had that was the first time in my life that I had like an income, mm -hmm. like a real one. And mm -hmm. it wasn't even that much money, but it was enough that I could start buying things that I liked and wanted. And also we got a great discount and I started buying clothes and i know we're gonna like yes. delve more into my no, we, fashion we can start now well, i mean because yeah your whole vibe the look it's so like unique and true to you and just not something that i see all the time like right. you just know how to put together an outfit beautiful thank I you i mean not to mention the photos that you take i it, was oh. born like this just kidding i absolutely was not i did not arrive <laughs> to that until much later in life i was not in to my appearance at all mm -hmm. for most of my life um i was very bookish and introverted growing up and i also exclusively went to private schools private oh, wow. christian schools in town so that we had uniforms mm -hmm. and you really could not do very much with your uniform like i'm talking about strict like you couldn't have a natural okay. hair color that's what i was wondering like could you for lack of a better term add pieces of flair um not really yeah like very strict like yeah how do you express yourself right, right? so um no unnatural hair colors obviously no kind of like out there haircuts either um uh I remember when I was in high school, like there was a trend about like stacking like jelly bracelets. Yep. They wouldn't even let us. They were like, you are limited to like Isn't two that or three wild? Like, or why power do you beads. Care do you remember so power beads and like, like those little uh, like almost glass looking beads and different oh, colors geez. that were supposed to represent different. Um, Maybe like I'm thinking of the live energies. strong bracelets. Oh, and yeah. OK, things. well, we oh, could yes, wear, yes, yes. The power, energy they were, like, ones. Little energy. Yeah. Yes, I do know. And what you're talking so about. like we weren't allowed to stack more than like two or three. I'm talking like very strict. Like I'm telling you, like, yeah. why? Who? Why? So I don't know. It's not like she can't bend her arm. To I know. Write. I think it was because it was a distraction. I don't Allegedly. know. Allegedly. Whatever. Prove it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm like, I, I bet I can still do well in school if I'm wearing four power bead bracelets. Like, just watch me. But I I wasn't going to push that like envelope too far. I was like, whatever. So I feel you all the way through high school. You know, I, five days out of the week, I was wearing a polo shirt and the ugliest plaid skirt you've ever seen. And then on the weekends is jeans and a T-shirt. Like, mm -hmm. I just I didn't really put very much effort into my I mean, I was clean. Like I was right. taking showers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but you didn't. But I, put, like I didn't. I didn't wear makeup. I yeah. wasn't really experimenting with makeup. I I did overpluck my eyebrows. That was probably like the. Well, the they look awesome now. Well, they finally like Girl, recovered. We they do, did the thing. Thank you. Yes. Talk about years of rehab to them Isn't after that, over plucking. Yes. Them. The oh, oh man, I know some people's eyebrows never recovered. 
I am sad for them. Same. Thank you for the 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 gene that gave my eyebrows <laughs> the ability to grow back. But um, my younger sister, she's about five years younger than me. She was much, much more into fashion and makeup and I think she was just disappointed that her older like she had friends whose older sisters were more into it and so the younger siblings got to like reap the benefits of having an older sister that was into makeup and fashion because then they could borrow it from them and that just wasn't happening with Mm -hmm. me and I remember specifically her and my mom being like hey do you think maybe like you could do something besides just like a ponytail in your hair today and someone said that to you my mom and my sister like because my sister always wanted to like do my hair like she wanted us oh, to bond oh, in like oh, a sister oh, way like that got not it like got rude, it got it yes not like okay a rude i understand way, but just like, hey, like maybe, hey maybe we could try something like she's like don't you like it when i do your hair like that and i'm like yeah sure it looks fine she's like would you want to wear that to school and i'm like why would i do that when i can have a ponytail in my hair <laughs> like practicality right this is this is working this is for so me. interesting because you literally went like 180 yeah and i i so plain Jane and then when I was in college I was too tired and too poor to put much thought towards things although when I was in college I fell in with a group of like kind of like hippy dippy people that weren't in college but they lived in the town and I thought they were great they were so open-minded they had cool parties and things and they introduced me to the concept of clothing swaps (laughs) oh so you would bring clothing or accessories or shoes or bags or whatever that just you didn't like anymore they Mm -hmm. didn't fit you they still needed to be in like decent shape and we would do clothing swaps it was all totally free and my wardrobe started to grow then but i was still pretty like conservative in my dress and like that's what i was gonna ask what was your style jeans and Mm -hmm. a university of oklahoma hoodie Mm -hmm. and a Mm t-shirt and then like i did try to put some effort into my appearance if i was like going somewhere but like as a college kid again being broke it just i didn't have the energy to for sure to devote and but i was I loved the personal style of a bunch of people there and just, you know, wanted to emulate it. And it looked so effortless and cool. And they would always be like, well, I just like put on what I like. And I was like, but, but, but you're making it work. And I, I, it feels like work to me because that's, I'm, I don't have that like innate ability to make things just work. I feel like I'm, I feel like I look like I'm trying too hard, which Mm -hmm. you don't want to look like you're trying too hard because that's just embarrassing. But, um, even through college, even as my wardrobe grew through these clothing swaps, which was like the only accessible way that I was getting new clothing items because I just couldn't afford to be buying all kinds of clothes. But still, I didn't know about that clothing swaps existed until like two years ago. Right. I mean, I I knew we used to call them Mm hand-me-downs when people that you knew had like older than you kids like a family you knew had older kids and they're like oh these pants are no longer fit and you're like oh my goodness like a trash bag just arrives at your house and it's like christmas and you're like wow (laughs) jeans and t-shirts and stuff um so i loved clothing swaps and then so like i said i came back to corpus and i started working retail so i had a discount and i had like a steady income for the first time which is huge which is a big deal yeah and so i got to start to buy like accumulate a wardrobe and I still wasn't, I don't think, very adventurous with the wardrobe because, again, this is the gap. It has nice pieces, but they're kind of like basics. Basics. Yeah. You know, you know, you're not really walking out of there looking like, wow, mm-hmm. she, you know, yeah. I'm like, thinks it's the gap. It's a, it's a striped sweater and yes. some jeans. And I'm like, do Pretty you much. like it? Pretty much. I know. I know exactly what you mean. The, yeah. fit, the fit is nice. The look is the, classic, but I right, get what you're saying. It's not like nobody's going to be like, wow, who are you wearing? Yes. <laughs> like, thinks it's the gap. <laughs> well, do you love it? Um, so um, then I worked there from 2012 and until the beginning of 2015. So I was there for about three years, I wow. think. And in 2014, I attended an event at the Corpus Christi Museum of Science and History. And what was the event? Um, it was some kind of like showcase. Um, at the time, my sister was working at the running store Fleet Feet. Yes. I believe you interviewed Maddie, the I owner, did. Yes. way early on. So um, 
I love Maddie. She employed my sister for a very long time. Wow. Yes. Maddie's amazing. Yes. And then one of my best friends, dad opened Fleet Feet. So okay. Wayne, Wayne Eden. Oh, I know him too. Yeah. Not as well so as I know that, Maddie. That is so awesome. Yes. Very so cool. my sister, it was like an expo or something. It was some kind of event happening and the museum was just the, the venue for it. Um, they weren't hosting the event okay. and Fleet Feet had a booth there. So my sister was there and I went to go say hello to her because I grew up going to the museum and I liked the museum. I love that museum. And, you know, I thought this will be fun. It's an after hours event. So I went to the event and in the entrance area, there was a table with two people sitting there and they had a clipboard with a sign up sheet and they said, it said, are you interested in becoming a volunteer? And I thought, huh, that you can volunteer. Of course you can volunteer. I don't know why I didn't think about that earlier, but mm -hmm. you know, there's two people literally offering me the ability to volunteer in a museum. I love museums. When I was in college, I actually intern well not intern but like they let college students work we had an on-campus museum the sam noble museum in norman oklahoma mm -hmm. and i did like you know volunteer work there mostly in the archives up in collections just cataloging things wow which meant just a lot of like taking little baggies out making sure the information matched up and like with lithics which are just like shards of like pottery and things like that so not very but, still that, but to me that's so cool right you're really you get to see exactly what that museum has. Yes, and the collections are definitely the the cool part because people don't realize that there's so much behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe people do now, but... I didn't until the, the mummy story came right. out, which we're going to get to. Yes, so um, I had had some volunteer experience at a museum, but I guess it just didn't cross my mind that I could volunteer at this museum in town. So I signed up and I think I was maybe the only person who expressed interest that night at the museum <laughs> because at the table were Jillian and Sarah who were both employees of the museum and they were so excited that somebody was coming over <laughs> and you know writing their information down and they were kind of talking to me and I I told them you know I majored in anthropology I have some museum experience and they were just over the moon excited and so yeah you're like the perfect fit right so throughout 2014 while I was still working at the gap I volunteer I was a volunteer at the museum the Corpus Christi Museum of Science and History and I did anything and everything that they would let me do there so I helped wow. with education events I helped with special events I helped Jillian in you know collections in archives I I, you know, I didn't have that much free time because I was working a full-time job, of but course. I, I, I still showed up. So, And that to me is saying something, you yeah. know, that in your off time, you're willing to go and help. Because I thought, I, you know, I love the museum. Uh, this museum was uh, not, a, not a big part of growing up here, but we definitely visited it. And I love, mm -hmm. I just love museums as they exist on their own. So yes. um, I was happy to be there. And then early in 2015, I was getting real tired of retail work. <laughs> I had had one too many, having to work like a Black Friday, someone oh, yelling at me, whatever, no. whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, the heavens parted and the museum was hiring. Wow. And, and you had to have been a shoe-in because you've been doing so much. So I put in an application and they hired me. So I started working in the education department at the museum in March of 2015. So I think I quit my job in retail at the end of January, had all of February off, and I just bummed around and watched the entire six seasons of Sex in the City. <laughs> Still good. Loved it. Still good. No regrets. And then in March, I started working <clears throat> just as an educator at first. They hired me just kind of in an educator position. And... I, by the end of that summer, had worked my way up to an office-based position within the education department, and then I'm not sure how much more time passed before I was basically like the assistant manager of education. So, wow, um, yeah. And did it just feel like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, like this kind of work? Yes, in so much that, like, obviously with every job, there's situations that, you know, are of hard course, and people course. that you don't necessarily get along with in yes. bad days but overall I will say I think I belong in museum work because it just feels the most natural and fulfilling to me and at the end of the day I can always remind myself like why I'm doing what I'm doing and mm -hmm. why I believe so much in museums I think that they are for 
everyone. Yes. And I want to work at making them be accessible for everyone. So that way, no matter what your, you know, socioeconomic status is, what language you speak, if you have, uh, if you're visually impaired, if you're hearing impaired, whatever the case may be that these institutions are there for people to learn and explore and and have fun like you know there are lots of kids that don't do well in like a traditional school setting yes and when they get to visit a museum we call it informal education so there's not like a test they're not having to perform to some kind of level or standard but they're learning Mm -hmm. and it's hands-on and it's fun and it's exciting so you really do get like the best right like a opportunity to teach right yes because all the pressure i mean the you want to do a good job of course but but you're not going to give them some kind of test at the end they're not going to have to do some kind i you know like they're just there to have fun and it's they're learning on top of it and i kind of i touched on that i've been lucky in my life to have lots of like my parents and other people i remember being young and my parents taking us on like trips around the united states and getting to visit like oh that's so awesome other museums or like historical homes and i again was kind of nerdy and introverted and liked to read i was very into historical fiction as a kid and so getting to visit these places and there were there were adults who worked there like they did living history sometimes where they're like in costume and and i remember wanting to talk to them because i was so excited about wherever it was that we were and these adults were so nice to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they let me ask questions and they answered me and they spent time and energy on me as a young child and like that's amazing and so i think i had such great experiences growing up with good parents and good teachers and good strangers in my life kind of giving me those growth opportunities and that encouragement so i think wow when kids visit any museum or whatever you know i want them to feel like they're having that connection too that they they like learning that they did something exciting that someone paid attention to them and answered their questions and listened to them yes because i think what makes a community great and strong and flourish and thrive is having a good like foundation of learning and growing and exploring and the room to do that and so girl you are hitting like all the boxes this oh so good so um i the work there while again sometimes frustrating sometimes thankless sometimes there are bad days i mean probably lots of times there are bad days or things happen that are frustrating to me that work is just it's good good work Mm -hmm. so it matters and it was it's important to me so yes so that is me arriving at the museum and working at the museum and really liking it and getting to do cool things really cool things yeah uh because like you had mentioned what's really uh, fascinating about the museum and that at least that back then not very many people knew about was everything that was behind the scenes. Yes. And to me, that's when the Peruvian mummy comes into play. Yes. So one of the things that you got to do when you uh, started working at the museum was get, I mean, obviously it's part of your training is to tour all of the different, you know, you're just trying to learn about everything. And uh, Jillian Bacay, who you had on the show a while ago, um, she was the collections manager. And so it was her job to take all of the new little education kiddos. We're not really kiddos, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Through collections, you know, because that's the cool part of getting to work at a museum. You get to see everything that's back there. It's fascinating. So... Um, I had been hearing little rumors that we had a mummy at the museum. Yeah, that's huge. And I'm thinking, are you, what? <laughs> this is Corpus Christi. Like, wh- mm-hmm. why does our museum, which is pri- you know, primarily focused on at least the historical aspect of it, on Corpus Christi history, like, yes. why do we have a mummy? Yes. And so I'm super excited because, again, I've mentioned the love of the mummy movie, <laughs> the love of ancient you Egypt. You are Rachel Weiss. Yeah. What's her character's name? Evelyn. Evelyn. You are Evelyn. I am a librarian. <laughs> Another career choice, a career path I feel like I could have taken and also For really sure. liked. For sure. Um, so I am, like, pumped. I'm like, okay, where where is this mummy like i have no context like i don't know i'm my brain is just going wild like why do we have a mummy what kind of mummy is it what's happening and 
Jillian takes us up to collections and opens this white um, box. And I say white box. It's like an actual like box intended to hold. Like it's it's a safe box, not like just cardboard box or anything. Right. But inside is this tiny little mummy child and i immediately am just sad of course (laughs) i did not feel elated i did not feel great i did not feel satisfied i was like wow this is a this was not what i was expecting and i i really i really don't like this so i i told jillian i think that day like as we're standing there um why do we have this mummy and what can we do about this Mm -hmm. and she told me that, you know, over time, the scope of the museum had changed greatly. So when it opened in the late 50s, early 60s, people didn't have access to the internet like they do now. So the first director of the museum came from New York and he brought with him a bunch of like artifacts, specimens, museum collection type things because museums back then were places for people to get to see the world right. in a museum. Right. So the scope of the museum was much broader and more undefined. Like it just mm-hmm. had cool things for people to look at from all over the world mm-hmm. that didn't have to fit some kind of, I don't know, story or anything yes. like that. The ethics of things were also oh, yes. a lot more loosey goosey. Yes. And that's like the nicest way that I can think to phrase that. We didn't have like laws and things in place that protected and you know indigenous people's remains and their grave goods or you know there wasn't anything stopping from white explorers from going to other parts of the world and digging up human remains or artifacts and bringing them back and putting them on display it was just a totally different attitude at museums um so this mummy had been on display for for decades we have pictures in our er, there were pictures in the the files of the museum of the director you know holding the mummy we know that the mummy was displayed in a case at some point and and people remember seeing the mummy you know people that grew up in corpus christi when they were younger and visited the museum i personally spoke to several of them that would visit and they'd be like oh where are the shrunken heads and where's the mummy yeah and i would or whoever they were talking to would say, well, we don't have those items or, you know, people on display anymore because uh, this is a Corpus Christi-based museum, so the history is Corpus Christi-based, and that has nothing to do with what we're, the scope of the museum anymore. So the mummy was just up in collections, and there wasn't really any kind of guidelines about what to do. So it's, the mummy is not protected under like Native American repatriation laws or anything like that because it's not indigenous to the United, you know, to the United States. Um, So I was bummed out but didn't really know what, you know, what are the next steps. Exactly. And so... But for you to even bring up like, hey, should we have this mummy is very telling about the way you think and the way you believe things should so happen. here's a big secret i talk a big game but i am so tender-hearted i think like <laughs> that's probably my big like i love to be like and i mean i am not i know I, what you mean. I like I, my mom used to have to like stop me from reading too sad of like aforementioned historical fiction books because i would just be so upset by what was happening in a story or by things like that i just it's very easy for me to feel the feelings of other absolutely yeah very strongly you're an empath (laughs) you're an empath i don't know i don't know if i you know i don't know if i'd use that word but like i don't have lukewarm feelings yeah i don't feel ambivalent about i see what you're saying (laughs) like i I just feel very strongly so whatever Mm -hmm. emotion it is that i'm feeling it's a strong one yes so i'm either like i'm mad i'm really mad or i'm very sad about something so i'm like really sad about Mm -hmm. it and i have a hard time like pulling myself out of that sadness unless someone pulls me out so this made me very sad and when i am upset about something you know i want to i want to do something about it like what can i do to improve because i don't think there's much to be said for people that like wring their hands and shake their heads at something but they don't do anything about Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. i while i'm able to and while i have any ability in me if i'm going to complain about something 
I want to do something to make it better. Like I, if I have that ability, if I have any resources available to me, like let me do something about it. So the first step was literally digging through file cabinets, like filing cabinet after filing cabinet of paper records, just trying to pull any and all information that referenced the mummy. Um, I emailed the museum in New York where the director came from, trying to see if they had any like, Uh, documentation like legal paperwork Mm -hmm. um this took years to do yeah i saw that in the color times article so and i mean it wasn't years of like steady work because i also had a job yeah (laughs) so i had to do my something that was always there like follow up on this right so i would just i made like i created like a file essentially of any time like i looked through the museum scrapbooks or we went to the color times archives and tried to look through what they had available um this is jillian and i took this project on um we you know people in the community helped us like i said the caller times did and i think a real so i'm i majored in anthropology but you know i stopped at a bachelor's degree so my level of expertise is not very experienced but in looking at the mummy i could tell based on just kind of like a broad understanding of different areas and the mummification techniques that they would have used. Obviously, this wasn't like an Egyptian mm-hmm. mummy, which mm-hmm. eliminates because not very many cultures practiced it. Right. And so we were able to determine that it was that the mummy was probably Peruvian based on the way that the body was positioned and it was wrapped in rope and associated uh, wow. grave goods. But that's so amazing that you could determine that based on... Well, you know, that studying. me looking and then typing into Google, like, do, Peru- do Peruvian mummies, are they wrapped in rope? But <laughs> Google still. Google like, yes, generally. <laughs> like, Thanks, Great, Google. Thank you. <laughs> this is, like, very, um, this is expert level investigation. But um, Driscoll Children's Hospital offered to use their, like, x-ray machines that they usually use on kids uh, to x-ray the mummy to see if there was anything wrapped up in the ropes with the body that might help give clues or just anything so we were able to do that and there was media coverage i think which also helped yes further the project along um those x-ray images went into the file that we then began distributing to contacts that jillian and i had with people who were more expert level in determining and they you know seconded our opinion that this did look Peruvian in nature and so I cold called the Peruvian embassy in Washington DC wow and I just kept at it until somebody finally took me seriously and got back to me I said we have a mummy and um we don't think we should have this mummy and we believe that it is Peruvian and we would like to know what you all would like to do with this mummy because we are not going to have it on display anymore and we feel really badly about of course having it here and again over time eventually they agreed when we sent over that file with all the images that we had taken and the x-rays and just all the documentation that we had which wasn't very much there was not a very clear line of there's just kind of like word of mouth stories about how Mm -hmm. oh back in the 40s and 50s they used to send excavations and bring back artifacts human remains and they held all of this at this museum and so then when the director came to corpus he just took a bunch of stuff with him including this mummy and i'm like wow yeah there's no like chain of custody or like anything and in museums now there's like very strict um like channels that you have to go through you know there's a a sessioning items there's deaccessioning there's just there's paperwork there's morals and ethics and legalese and things like that like it's just crazy to think about not that long ago Mm -hmm. that's just not how things were done yep and you know part of being in the museum world is what can we do to improve upon past mistakes and how can we right those wrongs because yes i you know we've got it we've got to do better we've got to fix what needs to be fixed and move forward and you know take ownership of it you know there's there's no use in pretending like you haven't goofed up or done something wrong you can yes you can that's take, a biggie yeah you can take ownership of it be accountable and 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 move forward and try to improve where you can um 
so through all of this finally the peruvian embassy the government said yes we yes will take the mummy back that's amazing and so um we jillian and i knew that they were going to do that before we respected like left our respective positions at the museum so we weren't actually there for the the handoff but we did get to follow up with the news in peru that they had received the mummy they did cover the story so that is that so is, awesome yes, i know man <laughs> I, I mean know. to see it all you know all this research all this effort you know all this coordination and to finally see it come to fruition is just it had to have felt great. It it was good. I there were tears along the way and tears when it happened because it's just like it my role and it was small like it's small, you know, when you think about like on a scale of things. Yeah, but you initiated it. You know what I mean? Like right. you and your team initiated and I, it. I would like to think that had there been like literally no accolade from it at all, I you know, I still would have done it just because it was the right thing to do. Like mm. it, it wasn't a matter of should I or shouldn't I? Like, this was a situation where I looked at it and I was like, this is the right thing to do. Yes. And I'm going to do my damnedest to do the right thing. No matter how long that takes or what comes of it, I just, I need to do my due diligence to try to to do the right thing. So. You are fucking awesome. Oh, thank you. Yes, that is such a good story. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I, I'm just in awe of you and, and just realizing that in there, no, we need to take action and you did it and it paid off. It did. So yes. thank you for that. Um, I Yes, I appreciate that. And it just, to me, hearing that story, it just always makes me want to do better, you know? Like, how what, what can I do to, is this, you know what I mean? It just right. makes, it makes you think. Something that you might initially think like, oh, this is cool, kind of just a... Almost like as um, an oddity, for lack of a better word, right. realizing like, you know what? Wait a minute. Like, yes, what's the reality behind this? And I think that's a lot of life. Like you, mm -hmm. you don't know until you know, until something's brought to your attention. Mm -hmm. So and we are always like learning and changing and growing and 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 working, hopefully working to improve ourselves. I know I certainly am. My mindset on a lot of things has changed over Same. time and I have lots left to learn and lots yep. left to do. But I think maybe the thing that I like a lot about like science and history and kind of the art side is that it's like changing and evolving. And so it's good to keep an open mind and it's good to, to be that way as a person too. Yes. Like you're always striving towards something like being better yes. and making things better for people that, and even if you don't get to see the payoff, you're, you're planting those seeds, you're putting in the work, knowing that people will come like after you and take it up too and and do it and that's yes girl absolutely <laughs> and you are and so you left the the museum mm -hmm. and then you started working at the uss lexington as yes. their education coordinator yes and do you love it i do um it's a lot different mm -hmm. from the museum of science and history um Obviously, the focus is much more narrow. Yes. It's not a science and history museum. It's a World War II mm -hmm. aircraft carrier yes. museum, which is... Which the in and of itself is pretty amazing. It is. I mean, there aren't very many aircraft carriers and that are museums. I think there's like five across the United States that are similar kind of... There's like one in California, one in New York, the Intrepid, that are similar like ships that have been turned into museums so it's it's rare in and of itself and it is like I have to remind myself sometimes that I'm working in something that was built and commissioned in 1943 yeah and so when the and internet like goes out in for like the 30th time I'm like oh right <laughs> it's really old yeah so yeah it's it's very cool it's it's definitely like a learning and growing opportunity for me just it's still a museum, but it's a very like different type of museum environment because mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we have working there have either like specific trade backgrounds that are necessary just for the upkeep and maintenance of wow. the ship because it's so old. I didn't even think about that. Right. So it, it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time and effort to just keep the ship Run, not yes. running because it's not running but like open and safe yes. because it's so old it requires constant like repair and maintenance and mm -hmm. things like that and then there are also a lot of people who um came to their positions at the museum either from like a military they're a veteran background yes or they're just in you know special event membership sales backgrounds so 
of everybody there, there are only a handful of us that actually have like museum backgrounds. So it's been interesting for me to like kind of wrap my mind around that this is a museum, but it's a very different museum environment than what I'm used to. But I still get to do what I love, which is talk about museums to people and do informal education. So that is great. Yes. And so I see that y'all are kind of like booming right now because it's spring break. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Tell it me about that. It has been crazy busy. So that makes me so happy though. It does me too, because especially with the, the pandemic last mm-hmm. year was just a wash almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we were closed for a almost two months I think about a month and a half but our numbers just have not been where they usually are like usually the Lexington sees so many people people will travel from across the state from across the country from different parts of the world mm-hmm. to come visit the ship because mm-hmm. it is just it's a historic the ship itself is an artifact yes. like the museum itself is yes. an artifact and That's so wild. um you know, we were used to seeing such big numbers during spring break and summer. And then all of last year, it was just kind of slow and a struggle to get, you know, to figure out how can we safely reopen? How can we bring people back on board? That's tough. How many people are we going to see? And I know that, you know, people all over felt that, you know, if you're in the tourism industry, if you're in any kind of industry that literally depends on people coming to your facility, it's, it's been difficult, but yes. um, this past week and this week that we've gone into so far, um, we are seeing, you know, good numbers of people and, and we're such a large ship. People are still able to safely socially distance. Mm-hmm. We're still um, requiring masks for people. So it, you know, we're doing it as safely as we can, but still wanting to welcome people on board. And so we're, you know, it feels like we're like inching back to, to where we were before, mm-hmm. which is, which is good. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so as an education coordinator, are you interacting with the students one-on-one and just like briefing them on the history of the aircraft carrier? Yes. So, um, most years we have a contract with CCISD, um, 2020, <laughs> we, we kind of stopped that. And so far this semester, we haven't either because they just don't have the capacity of to course. even do virtual mm-hmm. field trips. But generally, in a normal circumstance, students will come on board and we have a few different options for them. They can either do like a self-guided yeah, tour. Yeah, like the different adventures. Right. I yeah, saw this. Yeah. It's like five adventures to choose. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, we have the self-guided tour option, which is they still receive a briefing from me, which I, I run over the tour routes with them some safety things because ship is old i yeah, I remember Metal the one decks. time i went yeah it's like you have to remember that when you're going through a doorway you have to step over step over duck if you're tall yes. watch your shoelaces because mm. you like trust i had a little trip down some la- a ladder oh, one time no. and it, mine was it could have been much worse but it was still very like i was like i almost died <laughs> <laughs> like my life life flashed you would have been a ghost like, oh, on the yeah ghost. i would have been haunting the lexington too um two we're gonna get into that oh, in yeah. just a second <laughs> um but i still provide like a briefing and a general overview of the ship to the kids before they go on their self-guided tour but there are also guided tour options for them or program options and if they do a program then i'm right there with our wonderful team of volunteers that we have to like lead them through different stations of a program and we always if we're able to love to do a question and answer time with the kiddos because let me tell you one of my very favorite things about working with kids especially and again this informal education environment is their brains Mm -hmm. are wonderful they think of the most ridiculous questions and I use ridiculous in the most like loving way because I never dismiss a kid's question yes or don't answer it. I try really hard to answer it as accurately as I can and I defer to a volunteer if it's out of my wheelhouse but they just ask the best questions one of my very favorites is a student one time we were on the flight deck which is like the top deck where the the aircraft are kept and we're like looking over the water and a student comes up to me, I think they were in sixth grade, and says, Miss, what would happen if a shark attacked the Lexington? And I looked at them and I said, well, I 
do you know how big a shark is? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're standing on this massive, this massive ship. I was like, I think the shark might, you know, have a headache if it, you know, bonked <laughs> itself into the ship. I, I don't think the ship would, would notice. And the student goes, well, what about like two sharks? <laughs> um, I still don't think that anything would happen. And they said, well, what if it was a really big shark? And I said, did you just watch the Megalodon movie? <laughs> and they said, yes. And I said, okay, so if a let's, Megalodon, let's back it up. I said, I suppose if the shark from that movie attacked the Lexington, then yes, <laughs> we might have to think about things a little bit. Yeah. But I was like, but, but historically, Megalodons and the Lexington did not exist at the same like time and space, so we probably don't have to worry about that. But like that is, yes. I love that question, and I like I just love the way their brains work. So I love, I love that too. Just the curiosity right? and not thinking like that's a dumb question. No, I'm not going to ask that. The, the filter isn't there, so they just it pops into their brain, and they're going to ask it. And by golly, I will do my best to answer that question. Like, how many dinosaurs long is the flight deck? Okay, that's a great that fact is. to know. And well, I think it depends on the dinosaur also because true. they're all they're very long. Also you true. Know, some are long, some are not so long. But the the flight deck is nine hundred and ten feet long. <laughs> so I guess you should decide what. Yeah, type divide of that by average Tyrannosaurus. Right. Length. What unit of dinosaur measurement would you like to use to measure? The oh my gosh, deck? this but is so fun. I, I love that. Like mm-hmm. that's great to me, and I just think like wonderful for them. They feel like. You know, something popped into their brain and they're like, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to ask that mm-hmm. question. And I'm like, wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I think the most popular question that we get is, is Lexington haunted? Yes. This was going to be my question. Yes. So I think that's our number one question that we get. Um, my answer, I, I kind of like vary it depending on what age group I'm speaking to. For sure. And also what type of school group I'm speaking to. So I try to be sensitive if it's... Um, a group that might not want to touch on like the afterlife of or course. Like, religion or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. it's my job to be as neutral as possible. But yes. my general answer is it always depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. So I like to tell them that, you know, the ship did see service during a war. So people did die mm-hmm. on the ship in accidents and torpedo attacks, things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, there's, that element to it and then I do say that we do often have ghost tours and paranormal investigations because often they've seen the ship featured on like the Discovery Channel or Travel Channel we have you know film crews come in and do their investigations um wow I'm so into that yeah and so um and then personally um in the office that I work in which is uh, you know on a lower deck um there are times where doors open or shut or we we all use like little radio walkie talkies like sometimes it one will in another room click itself on we have a back um room that is full of cabinets that are the type that you have to like twist to unlock and then pull open so it's not like they could just open on their own their lock shut and we'll walk back there and they're all open. of them will be open. Oh my god! So I do tell the students that personally you know I've seen or heard those things But I think what they want to know is, am I ever scared? Mm -hmm. And so I do try to reassure them that at least for me and most of the other people that I speak to, these are not malicious spirits or Mm -hmm. ghosts. There's not a sense of fear behind it. I mean, other than being like, oh, what was that? Like I heard something or saw something. Yeah, like you're startled. Right, you know, and so I think... Um, at least what my coworkers and I always used to tell ourselves is most of these um, sailors who passed away were probably pretty young men. Yes. And so they're now, mm-hmm. you know, may or may not be haunting the office spaces of a bunch of like 30 year old women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're just playing pranks on us. Right. Because they think it's funny. Yes. And once you say that out loud, you're like, oh, oh, OK, that's, you know. That's fine. That's not scary. That's just like, if you're going to shut the door, why don't you go ahead and try to open it again? Like, I need to go through here or whatever. So Chivalry's not right. dead. Try not. Wink, wink. Sorry if that joke offended you. Yeah. Um, so um, I, that's kind of my general answer to, mm-hmm. the, to the people that ask that because they love the the lore i guess of and course we've got the escape room that's the haunting 
or face your fears that deals with like the 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 stories we've got charlie who's our most famous like ghost or spirit he has like a little area on tour out for where he talks about his experience or wow. whatever so i mean that's part of the, yes. the story of the lexington yes so um that is that's that's like an interesting fun part of your job like Very where else do you get to work where like the ghost stories are like that yes that important to the visitors and the kids yes. and stuff like you get you're encouraged to speak about ghosts at your job or yeah. read up on like other people's paranormal experiences i think i was so excited like early on in my training they were like go ahead and read through this booklet that was made by one of the volunteers about all of his like recordings of paranormal incidents and i'm like i'm getting paid yes to read about ghosts i tell you what fifth grade me that i'm working in a museum and then i'm reading just mind-blowing i'm like this is wonderful I it love is this. it is and I'm, i feel like your whole trajectory like post-college has just been really fascinating it's, and just like yeah. very um monumental and like who you've become because in addition to you know working these super cool ass jobs which you know aside from the gap but i mean theoretically it was not a, local a super gap. cool ass job let me tell you <laughs> but i mean all the same it, i mean it was still like a local branch of the gap you've pretty much kept it local and something that i've noticed about you and that i really appreciate is that you support local as much as you can and you know how did that come to be because growing up in corpus it was at least for me hard to find anything local it was really through word of mouth because social media wasn't around right. you know and so it's amazing to me that you are as like fervent about it. I, I think though the social media, like with the rise of it, that's definitely helped. Cause I agree like early on, like there probably was stuff going on yep. and I just didn't hear about it. So exactly. I didn't know. And I have really seen like a, a rise in like local happenings. So yes. local creators, local makers, local events, local mm -hmm. pop-ups, like, just so much stuff and I'm just excited about all of it because I love Corpus Christi. Me too. I want to see Corpus Christi thrive and flourish and grow and be like a cool hub for makers and creators and artisans and artists and scholars and people and things. So I, if I'm given the option, I am going to support the shit out of local like, yes i if i can eat somewhere i want it to be local if i can wear something i want it to be local if i can go somewhere i want it to be local like mm -hmm. i just want i want you know and a lot of people these people have become my friends so yes. i i care about them and i want to support them in their yes. endeavors so that they can continue to make things and so i feel like with my money that you know that that speaks and so i can put it towards people and things and events and whatever that i believe in and want to support because i mean and i'm not just even doing like i'm i'm benefiting from this because i get to uh, wear yes. really cool like yes. earrings and accessories mm -hmm. and drink out of cool mugs and eat at excellent places and go to really cool events and support artists and musicians and you know just whatever like i love that i think corpus is has so much and i i love it yeah yeah i mean you are just like the poster girl for it and you present it in such a beautiful way like i said i mean your your social media is just like so beautiful and so authentically you i mean everything you do is just eye-catching um i love that like i said i think i've said it already i don't know if it was on the on record or not but just how open you are about expressing your support for all these local places and then of course also being vocal about you know your beliefs and everything and i just think more and more people need to to see what you're doing and and uh it's an inspiration well, yes and so <laughs> i want to thank you so much for for uh having me over and giving me a delicious margarita and taking a shot with me and Yay. and telling me your story yes. and i just appreciate you and uh I, I look forward to seeing everything that you do oh thank you so much thank you